You're listening to the Next Exec Podcast Series with Executive Women's Forum. Hello, and welcome to Season 4, Episode 6 of the Next Exec Podcast. In this episode, Parna Kadari speaks with Diane Tran about her role in the data protection space. Diane shares the challenges organizations face to protect data in this global age, the support system she has had in her family, and how she continues to be a trailblazer supporting women in the information security space. She admonishes women to hone their craft and create work-life harmony in all areas of their lives. Please enjoy. Hi, Diane. Thanks for doing this podcast. Hi, Aparna. I am so excited to talk to you about all of our experience. Thank you. Even though I work with you on a daily basis, I feel that there's so much more I don't know about what you do. Can you tell us about your work, what you do on a daily basis? Sure, Parna. Even though we have shared experience from working at the same company in the same space, I would be happy to share what is it that we do. So myself and the rest of my team, our focus is around data protection. As with every company, there's lots and lots of data. And the challenge remains for information security is how do we go about protecting that data? making sure that the data doesn't get extra-traded. One of the approach that we try to implement is to approach it from a risk-based perspective. And what that really means is that since there's so much data, as I had mentioned earlier, and you can't protect every single piece of data, how do you go about identifying what is most important to the company? What is it that we want to make sure that we protect at all time. And while all data is important, the focus and the priority should be determined not just with information security, but with other business organization, as well as other groups within the company, for example, legal or the business units that actually generate these important data. So together, we can prioritize and identify which particular data is confidential, which particular data is data that we really need to make sure that we protect at all time. And then from there, as a starting point, we can work and try to cover and protect the remaining data. Awesome. That's so interesting. I did not know how vast this area was because each time... I hear words like data protection, data loss prevention, compliance. I am very scared because I do not know the magnitude of what's happening. And especially when privacy and legal reaches out, it is even more scary. I do not know how you do it, but you seem to do it so easily and make it fun even when there there seems to be a crisis mode. Well, thank you for that, Aparna. It doesn't have to be scary if you have an approach. And the really key part of all this is really to get the collaboration with your partners and to have a strategy that focuses, like I said before, really on where the risk areas are. Once you identify areas that you are interested or have a priority in protecting, 
then it's really about assessing the gaps to see if there are any, any areas where you want to improve, any area that you want to enhance and kind of map out how you want to go about remediating those gaps or, or improving those areas. And like I said, if you have a strategy, a vision on how to approach the protection, it, can, it doesn't have to be scary at all. Got it. I didn't know all of this because the moment someone utters the word victory, I'm often scared, but now I want the asthma. You are one of the few CIPMs in the organization, and I heard it's really hard to clear that privacy certification. How did you go about getting it, and what should people do if they want to receive such a certification? I think with everything, if you have the experience, once you sit through the training, things start to fall into place. So for me, I feel like training helps me organize my experience and thoughts into a more structured and formal way of thinking about things. So as I mentioned, I have been working in this space for a few years. And so I do have experience in the privacy space. But taking the training and reading through the material and kind of just organizing my thoughts in that way was very helpful in getting the certification and approaching or or thinking through the questions as in that structural way. It's amazing how you do so many things with such ease. Women like me have always been so inspired by you over the years and you are part of my dean tribe and you constantly push me to achieve new successes. You're part of my learning experience and often I look to you for a lot of mentoring. And I'm sure you have the Diane's that I have in your life. Can you tell a little bit about those who inspire you? Sure. Aparna, thank you for, for mentioning that. And I really think that you are also one of the folks that I bounce a lot of ideas and, and get a lot of you know guidance and feedback from as well. So thank you for that. For me, when I started out in this field, I started on the IT space. And there hasn't really been that many female role model just because there just weren't many female in IT. But over the years, and as I moved to information security, which I'm so amazed about because there's just a lot more female. Just to to kind of give you, you know, some context, in the IT space back several years ago, usually I'm the only female in the room. While information security, I mean half the room are other females. So I am so happy and amazed that, you know, there there's a greater diversity. As far as who do I get my inspiration from is really, I've had some amazing bosses. I've had some amazing co-workers and then just people that I've kind of just networked with, whether they're like parents of my children's friends that I've gotten to know really well over the years that we've, we've shared experience together, experiences together. But when it comes down to, is there really one single person? There isn't. It's really just a collection of people that have helped me over the years and have given me really great guidance and feedback then. 
the one person that I would say that's always been there to back me up is my husband. And he not only has been my like best friend, but has also listened to my gripes and complaints and, and always try to help me kind of think about things differently. So if I had to mention, like identify one person, it's probably him. Well, thank you for sharing. I know you groom uh, a lot of women leaders within your team and help them carve out a path for themselves. Do you think it would have been easier if there were more women in information security? Or do you think that people like us, leaders like you, are, have to do some deliberate hiring in order to achieve that percentage increase in uh, women hires? So when I hire, and like I said, I, going back to when I started in the IT space and with the lack of females, like, for example, when I had gotten my first job, there were two positions and a classmate of mine, as well as like, you know, several other people had applied for the position. The classmate who I had helped tutored and I went and applied for the two positions. His interview lasted probably 30 minutes. My interview lasted three hours. And during my interview, the interviewer basically took out the textbook and was flipping through the pages to ask me very specific, very detailed questions. The reason I share that story is because back during that time frame when I started, because there were so very few women, I think that just people in general, the companies and, and, and folks that were hiring, managers that were hiring just wasn't used to having females and having females that, that are technical enough to do the work. So they had to be, I guess, very thorough in making sure that I was the right fit. So one of the things that experience left with me is that, like you had mentioned, I wanted to make sure that there were more women in the space, not because we can't do it, but because we aren't really given the opportunity to do or be able to shine in that space, right? In, in the IT space or in the information security space. So when I'm doing the hiring, do I specifically focus on making sure that female are given a better opportunity? Not necessarily. What I When I hire, I definitely look to make sure that the candidate has the skills and the experience necessary to do the work. But what I do do is when I have female candidates, especially if they're an internal candidate after the interview, and if they happen not to qualify because they don't have enough experience or the skill set, I do take sometimes like, probably about 10 or 15 minutes to talk to them about what their career goals are, what they really want to focus on and I give them the feedback and I try to really understand what it is that they're trying to do, mostly because I feel like that that instant feedback right there helps, but also because I want to kind of sort of catalog that individual and, and their experience because if I have another opportunity at a later date where I feel like that individual can fill in the role, 
then I make sure that I circle back and, you know, and see that they're still interested in the change that they were looking for. Thanks, Diane, for doing that, because I remember the days when I used to attend interviews and people used to actually ask me, you're coming into a role that requires you to put in a lot of hours. What if you get pregnant? Or, you know, what if you have to take care of a family situation and being a female, usually we are the forerunners of the family. And it was assumed that, you know, I would disappear from my work. But looking at it now, I think we've come a long way in how we look at things and provide that equity to women, not only at workplace, but also in terms of mentoring and grooming. And thank you for leading the way for women. Well, thanks. Yeah, I'm definitely so happy that we're not in that time frame where those questions are, you know, no longer appropriate. One of the things that I feel like gets asked in a roundabout way so that, you know, they want to kind of address what you brought up, but also at the same time, don't want to have a, an HR related issue is around like the question will be phrased and like, how do I balance, do work-life balance, right? And I feel like that is kind of a, they're a sneaky way of, of trying to figure out how do you manage your personal life versus your work life. And so for me, you know, I, I give my answer, but I think the overall approach on how to kind of make sure that you have your personal life and you have your work life and being happy and, and energized with both isn't so much about balancing, but about kind of being mindful and committed to what you're doing when you're doing it. So I rather go for like, you know, there's a time and place for everything. So when I'm at work and I'm focused on work, it's good to create like a, a structure that you're you're happy with. So between the hours of nine to four or nine to five or whatever your work hours are, you're committed and you're giving it, you know, you're 100% being mindful of what you're doing. And then whenever you shift to your personal life, you're spending that quality time and being committed to doing whatever it is you're doing, whether you're spending time with your husband, spending time with your kids. So I think that is really about the, the harmony of the two and not necessarily at the balance of the two. And the other thing is that for me, the balancing isn't the time frame in which it's being balanced isn't a day-to-day thing. It's more of a weekly thing. So what I mean by that is like if it's crunch time and the next two days is work focus, then maybe later on in the week, you know, Friday, Saturday or Sunday during the weekend, it would be family focused, for example. So how I apply this with my team really is that when we go through these crunch time where, you know, maybe we have a, a big change during the weekend and the team's working on Saturday and Sunday and then Monday, they're there to support, make sure there's no fallout from the change and being available in case anything goes wrong. Then usually later on in the week, like Thursday or Friday, I'll, I'll have them. It's a nice day. Why don't you guys just sign off early and go relax, you know, spend time with your family and things like that. So I, I make sure that while it's not a one for one like situation where if they work 10 hours, they get 10 hours off, but 
you know, I try hard to make sure that if they do have to work nights and weekends for changes and things like that, that they do get some time off just to either relax, chill, or just spend time with their family or do something else that is not work-related. Yep, I do see that with your team and I try my best to kind of create that balance on mine. But usually while it works, sometimes it's really hard, but looks like we've built great teams together that they understand how to have this work-life harmony versus a balance on a daily basis. Right, and I do see that. I think your team loves working for you too. My next question is kind of similar to what you just said about like work-life harmony. I know you have two kids who have very hectic schedules. You raise a parent and there's so much more that you do and you have to from both a personal and professional perspective. When you do maintain this work-life harmony, how do you take time for yourself to rejuvenate and come back with more vigor and power and energy the following day or the following week. Right. So yes, we definitely have a very busy schedule. So like, again, I, my husband helps out a lot in that, you know, we, we kind of volley back and forth with parental responsibilities and then work responsibilities. But I do try to make time for myself. I really enjoy reading. I really enjoy doing arts and crafts. I also enjoy yoga as well. So for me, I feel kind of off balance when I don't get that me time. So it gets to the point where I feel like if I don't take the time, I'm not going to do well. And then a very quick feedback that I get from my body right away. So it's not that I, I can go for days or weeks without doing you know, some me time. So I, I try very hard to do that. And the two times during a day where that fits in for me is really early before everyone wakes up or later in the evening when everyone's already gone to bed is when I actually get those, some of those me times. And then, of course, during the weekends. The, the other thing I want to point out is that I really enjoy spending time with my kids and doing things with my kids. And if you're lucky enough, the things that your kids like to do are the same things that you like to do. So it works out, you know, kind of killing two birds with one stone, so to say. Like, for example, my daughter loves to to do arts and crafts. So we spend time doing it together. And it's a way for me to de-stress, but also spend time with her. And then same thing with my son. He really enjoys drawing and playing catch and things like that. So, you know, we spend time during the weekends doing that. So like I, I kind of get both of the things in at the same time. Well, thanks for sharing with us. Mm-hmm. Last question is, what is your message to women who want to emulate you, your path, or want to seek mentoring in areas of your expertise? So... What I would say, and and this sort of go along the line of like, you know, what would I say to my younger self? And as I had mentioned, my daughter, who's 16 now, is sort of like my younger self. And the things that I teach her, which I would probably give the same advice to women that are starting out, is really just figure out what is it that you enjoy to do. And then when you figure that out, One of the things that helps me a lot is I ask myself, you know, what is it that you're going to do about it, right? So whether it's a situation you're in and you got to 
figure out what is it you're going to do about it. Or if you're in a certain, you know, like state, like not sure if you want to go left or right, you know, you got to sit there and say, well, what what are you going to do about it? Like you kind of have to own figuring out what your goals are. What is it that you want to achieve? And I would also make sure that they approach it from not just a career perspective, but just kind of like where they want to be as an individual. And that should help drive a lot of the direction. Because while you're starting out, it might be very career oriented. When you're at a midpoint in your career, then you start realizing that you need other things besides just work. And so I saw this cartoon a long time ago that's always stuck with me where it was a picture of, you know, this cartoon laying in a hospital bed with the caption of no one on their last, on their deathbed wishes to have more time at work. So really it's about making sure that you're, you're doing things that you enjoy to do and not just from a work perspective. Yep, that is such sage advice. And uh, you are one of those women, like the saying goes, when women support each other, incredible things happen. And you're definitely the woman that picks this other woman's crown without telling the world that was crooked. And I'm very honored to have you in my work life. Someday soon, we do have to do that lunch that we've been postponing, but I appreciate your time in doing this interview for me and the Executive Women's Forum audience, podcast audience. Thanks again. Thank you, Aparna, for putting this together. And I really enjoy talking to you. And just like I said, I think you're you're great as well. And you do spend a lot of time and a lot of effort into supporting other women. And uh, I just want to, on behalf of all the folks that you've helped, just say thank you to you too. Thank you.